In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Danzi, and you are back listening to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. And today we have with us a, an amazing disciple maker named Jeff Abel. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. So glad that you're here, and uh, the listeners are going to be blessed by you today. Uh, you're a father, a husband, a disciple maker, all of the above, huh? I do quite a few things. The, day, gotta... the day, days are full. <laughs> and uh, you're a businessman by trade. You're a uh, financial guy, right? I'm a partner with PricewaterhouseCoopers. Been with the firm my entire life, and entire uh, life. my entire life. It feels like <laughs> I literally started when I was 19 years old. Wow! As an intern and. Uh, have been with them. My, I'm 53 now, so Your my entire, entire life. career. Wow. Well, I know that you are. We call you Julie's husband. Yes. Uh, yes. Around here, it's the best thing some people call me. <laughs> and uh, if I if I understand right, Julie is a uh, a spiritual director. She is absolutely. What's it like being married to a sp- uh, trained spiritual director? Well, it's quite interesting. She does a fabulous job. Um, Giving me spiritual direction without being overtly a spiritual director to oh, her yeah. husband. Okay. Uh, she's, Does she charge you for, for she, the sessions? Uh, uh, more than anyone else in her <laughs> payroll, for sure. Um, she, uh, it, we would literally this morning were having a conversation about just logistics of one of her things, uh, one of her groups that she's uh, actually she's not trying to pull together. The group is coming together, okay. so it's really cool. More um, God's idea than her idea. It's it's really cool how God uses uh, her heart and that ministry and her training to do just outstanding things. Yeah. yeah. Now you're making me want to get her in here. You should. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You you graduate to uh-huh. her. <laughs> Well, now, I know you played college football. I chased kicks and got my head beat in a little bit, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, so I'm guessing that you're running across the fence. Is that how you meet Julie? Is she a cheerleader <laughs> and you're like a college football star or something? Is that- no, I uh, I did outkick my coverage uh, is, <laughs> is the analogy with Julie. But no, I met her uh, actually five years after I graduated from college okay. at work. At work, and you and you played for Louisville, right? Is I that did. right? Mm-hmm. Is it that's how you say it? Is it Louisville or Louisville? You got to be real guttural down in the throat. It's Louisville, L U L V U L, Louisville. I think I always mm-hmm. say that right. Yeah. Louisville. It's okay. Just don't call us late for dinner. <laughs> and you have three boys that are growing up fast. You got four boys. Four boys. That's I have right. three biological sons and one adopted son. Okay. Yeah. And how old are they? That's a test. Twenty-three. Okay. Twenty-one. Right. Uh, one, our adopted son will be 20 in about a week, and okay. our baby turned 18 about a month ago. The baby is 18. So you're through the puberty The baby years. that you baptized. I remember well. A very co- cool uh, day. Honor. It's an honor. So you guys are through the puberty years now, right? We are through the puberty years, yeah. You know, I always say that parenting gets easier uh, physically, but I think it gets harder emotionally. No question about it. No question about it. I was literally having a discussion yesterday. We'll be empty nesters a year from now. That's what you think. And that's exactly what the conversation was, <laughs> that we will never be empty nesters. They just won't be in our house. Oh, okay. That's a great way mm-hmm. to say it, yeah. Uh, it, it is wonderful watching uh, watching your children grow up to independence. Yes, it is. And it, growing into maturity. and Yes. You just got to trust everything you taught them, right? It's uh, been very blessed that, uh, knock on wood, so far uh, those things have come to roost. Mm-hmm. Uh, through some really tough and rocky times, as sure. all parents uh, 
are, are very aware of, but, but you just, you talk about a gift of God, yeah. seeing your sons uh, face hard things and face them in a way with, uh, that, that God's the compass and a high moral character. There's, there's no better gift Oh my goodness. until the grandchildren come. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I, I tell folks that I've, when the story of the prodigal son is probably the most emotional story for me mm. uh, because I've feel like I've played all three roles. Mm. I played the prodigal son, you know, who got tired of living with the pigs and came home broke, helpless. I played the judgmental brother because when I became a Christian, I, be, I, I went from Jesus lover to Pharisee back to Jesus lover. Mm-hmm. I was just, I went through this judgmental period, which I'm ashamed of, but I resonate with the older son, you know. Absolutely. And then, uh, and now in some ways, I feel like I play the father mm. because not all my children are uh, living the spiritual life I had dreamed and hoped for them at this point, mm-hmm. uh, story's still being written. Absolutely. Uh, but I know that in, in your particular case, the adopted son, um, that was an interesting adoption, I understand. You adopted him from uh, Uganda. That's right. He's from Uganda, and we adopted him. Uh, it's a very long story. We thought he was nine. It ended up he was 12. Uh, so adopting an older child whose personal experiences, uh, he did more um, living, certainly tragic trauma-filled living in 12 years than anybody I've known in a lifetime here in the U.S. So uh, it was a a very, um, has been, not was, has been and will continue to be a a very uh, challenging but God-led adventure that he put Julie and I on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then some of us around here have been able to to pray with you, be a part of that, and see the gift of God in it. Yeah. Yeah, through everything, um, I'm reminded that God absolutely called us to adoption, mm-hmm. and He absolutely called us to adopt Derek. Um, so when, not if, but when the storms come, and when you learn things that you didn't want to learn, knowing full well that you're in the middle of God's will for you, um, it really has matured me as a believer. Yeah. Um, I've told several people that, you know, my relationship with God went to a whole new level when I was in the park one morning before sunrise yelling, maybe even using a couple expletives to God, my father. Hmm. Uh, It became very intimate and personal. Um, I did seek forgiveness for (laughs) the way I spoke to him, but uh, that relationship became very, very real. And that's a blessing that adoption has given me. Yeah, boy, and, a, and what a great story. Yeah, we could talk a, a, a lot about that. I'm sure that there are people listening today, whether they're on the treadmill or in traffic, that are facing their own challenges in Absolutely. life and, and wondering, God, what in the world you know, are you doing? Yes. Uh, the spiritual maturity sign, though, I think, is when we recognize that whatever God's doing, it's for our best. No question. He loves us that much, right? Romans eight twenty eight says it, and it's hard to hear sometimes, and it gets overused in my humble opinion, but my goodness, it's so true. Yeah, he, he, he makes us good in every situation, mm-hmm. whether the situation turns out good or not, I mm-hmm. think so. Well, you um, tell us a little bit about your faith life. Uh, did, were you like born in a church and uh, raised under the altar, or what? I was born? Yes, I was. Uh, <laughs> I was in church the first Sunday I was alive. Um, I was at the lake the first Saturday I was alive. By the way, oh. <laughs> but uh, I was in. I was at church the first Sunday I was alive, and was raised by very godly Christian parents there every time the door opened. This is in Louisville? Uh, actually, this was in various places. Okay. Um, no, my dad was not running from the law. He was actually getting promotions. But okay. we lived in uh, – I was born in Louisville. Um, 
moved to Paducah, Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky, Buffalo, New York, and then Paintsville, Kentucky, which is uh, where my parents still live today. That's where I quote unquote grew up. Okay. Um, so mostly Kentucky. Mostly Kentucky. But Two your years in New York. favorite place is Atlanta, Georgia. Well, uh, my home is Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> let's put it that way. Okay. Uh, that's for sure. We've been here. I've, we've now been here longer than I've been in any one place in my life. Okay. So it is absolutely home. So you're raised in a Christian home, huh? Southern Baptist Church. My whole life, uh, I was the kid that um, uh, you might say my parents were a bit legalistic um, because I was the kid that had the perfect attendance Sunday school chain. You're the one. Yeah, I, I think I had eight or nine years perfect attendance at wow. Sunday school. Um, and they should give the parent that pen, not the kid, right? Definitely. I, I can tell you <laughs> stories about being on a houseboat at Lake Cumberland, Kentucky, and getting up early in the morning, bathing in the lake, and my dad taking me to the boat ramp and finding me a church so I could keep that string alive. <laughs> so, uh, can I, can I, now here's a question that we're all wondering mm-hmm. uh, where are those pins today? Are I they like guarantee on the mantle? you that my mom knows exactly where they are. <laughs> Okay. I hope they're not in some uh, thrift store somewhere. Uh, no, I, no chance. No chance. No chance. <laughs> okay. Yes. So when did you? When did uh, Jesus become really alive for you? Really, your best friend, the Lord of your life. After I turned from him, mm. um, it was real interesting. I had I had the normal spiritual walk curve, uh, you know, in in my story that most people have. Mine was a little later. Um, I departed from kind of who I was as a Christian when I was 22, 23, 24 years old. Um, Oh, by the way, that was in the mid-80s when it was pretty cool to be all about self and (laughs) chasing the dream, and the dream was not others-focused or God-focused. It was purely self-focused, and I did that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's interesting during that time as I've reflected back on the time that I most ran from him, uh, I never did it intentionally, and in the moment, I never doubted that he was right next to me. But in looking at the way I lived, no one could have guessed it. Mm. Um, you talked about Atlanta. You joked about Atlanta uh, being my favorite place. Um, Jesus came real to me, uh, really for the first time, uh, a very long good story. But uh, he became real for me for the first time when my wife and I moved here. We came here kicking and screaming. We had very deep roots where we were, uh, family all around us, just living a wonderful life. Called you to a new place. He wanted us to switch churches. Okay. And he knew we weren't going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) So he said, I'll show you. And uh, he wanted us to put us in a place that was not, that we didn't know people. Nobody knew us. We weren't in a comfortable, rote, Mm -hmm. check the box type of deal. Autopilot. He, right? he wanted to bring us into a, a deep relationship with him, and uh, you know it's crystal clear. He knew we couldn't do it in the situation. We didn't have the courage, the guts, the uh, even awareness that we needed it. Um, so he sent us to Alpharetta, Georgia, where we didn't know anybody, and he opened up the doors of a church that was outside our neighborhood called Mount Pisgah, and the people in that church um, showed us some things that we needed 
and uh, it's been a wonderful walk ever since. God knows, God knows exactly what we need, right? All the time. Yeah, it's so good. And this concept of discipleship, um, is this something that you learned early as a child? Is this something you've learned as well later in life? No, if I could just, and I'll try to keep this very brief, but yeah. I, I, I do want to share sure. my story. I was introduced to this notion of, and I, I didn't even hear it as discipleship. It was a covenant group. Um and someone invited me to, 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 to read a book and to consider being part of this thing, which ended up being a discipleship program, covenant group deal. That's how it always happens. Somebody says, read this book. Right? Yeah, and I, I'm now very selective in what I actually choose to <laughs> follow. I'm laying in the bed one night, and I'm reading this, and my wife says, so is that any good? I'm like, oh, it's really good. She said, so are you going to do this? And I'm like, no, no chance. And... She said, well, why not? I said, because the guy they're describing isn't me. What's the name of the book? It, was, uh, it wasn't It was a book. It was oh, okay. John Purcell's oh, okay. uh, deal that he put together that kind of described what a covenant group discipleship program could look like. Oh, I see. And the description, I happened to be on the page where it described like what a disciple maker looks like. The prototype. <laughs> when she asked me if I was, or just words? No, just words. Oh, okay. Just words. I had a picture, um, and it wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my wife, to her um, to her credit, she didn't argue against that. Uh, and the next morning, we're at a baseball field watching our youngest. Um, well, That's the best part of the story, by the way, that your wife didn't argue that you were not that guy. <laughs> she didn't. Um, again, to her credit, because she could have taken either side of that argument. <laughs> so... Um, we're sitting next to uh, a, a, a dear friend of ours watching our, I don't know, seven-year-old kids, quote-unquote, play baseball. Mm -hmm. And she says, you know, I had a dream about you last night, uh, at which point I am replied with something entirely inappropriate. <laughs> and my wife says, really, what was the dream about? And she said, I saw Jeff in a position of really investing in people and uh it truly impacted him, and he was. He, she said, "The feeling I had when I woke up with was one of just pure contentment and peace and intimacy with God." Wow! At which point, I snapped my head around to my wife, and she, her eyes were bigger than mine. We then walked to the car. Uh, as soon as the car doors closed, when the game was over, I pointed at my wife and I said, "You set me up for that." <laughs> And she says, I promise. I did not have any discussion with her about it. So moral to the story is uh, God hit me in the nose with a two-by-four and said, you need to do this. Oh so goodness. I came into uh, that experience uh, not thinking it was good for me, mm -hmm. thinking it might be a check-the-box deal for me, mm -hmm. but God was being Just very clear. Just another Christian thing a Christian man should do. Something I should do. That's right. But now, looking back on it, um, it was more than that. Significantly. Yeah, it was the Great Commission absolutely coming into your living room. And God knew exactly how I needed to be invited into it. Wow. There he goes again. Yeah. Knowing our knowing his will for our life. Huh? Absolutely. So from that moment you you get this you read this paper on what the perfect disciple maker looks like and you surmise it's not you although a friend has a dream that it is. And where does it go from there? Uh, I showed up on a Saturday morning and uh, I listened to to John uh, with a group of um, acquaintances at that point in my life. Uh, I knew this, uh, there were five other guys, mm -hmm. and um, we went through a day, quote-unquote, training. 
and okay. awareness. And at the end of it, all five of those other guys said, "Yeah, we're in. We're going to do this. We're going to we're going to prayerfully consider um, a selection process to guys. We're going to prayerfully go over a list of guys that we think God might be calling into uh, uh, into this." relationship and sounds kind of like an nfl draft or something well and and i was the odd man out saying i still don't think i'm in for this but you know peer pressure matters sometimes and sometimes it's good so i can't be the only one so i'm in too and uh now what was the hesitation for you because you are a leader mm -hmm. you're successful in business Mm -hmm. you've been a successful husband and father and what was the hesitation to be a disciple maker I didn't think I was the guy. Okay. I didn't have a level of, and and there's probably a better word, Mark, but I didn't have at that point in my spiritual walk the confidence that I could um, help other people mature because I had a whole heck of a lot of maturing that I still needed to do. You know, and that's what I hear a lot is people say, well, maybe one day God will call me to do that, but right now I don't know enough. And that's why I needed the two by four in the nose. (laughs) I don't know, and 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 the thing is, is the Lord doesn't use perfect trained people. The Lord uses people like you and me. Uh, people like me and you are all there is, right? <laughs> yeah. We're all fallen. Yeah, we're all searching. We're all we all have mountaintop moments and valley moments, and uh, and I God's love the right way that Jesus. It. I love the way the Scripture doesn't talk about this group of men that Jesus yeah. discipled. He talks about them by name yeah. because they had names and families and fears and careers and all the stuff we have Absolutely. and excuses. Right? I heard it said, if you don't uh, find a, a way, you'll find an excuse. Yeah. And the disciples tried to, and we tried to, but the Lord loves us too much. Way too much. And uh, he will never let us go. And, you know, sometimes it's the pinprick, sometimes it's the two by four. <laughs> But uh, he always he always provides. So when did you turn the corner for okay? I'm I am the guy the Lord's calling to be a disciple maker. Well, I don't know that I ever turned the corner. I think it. I don't know. It might be my Southern Baptist upbringing. Forgive me for those of you who take that the wrong way. (laughs) Um, But I, I I think I'll always have kind of a a blind spot. It's really not blind. A mental block towards I'm that guy. Uh, It's just the way God made me. Um, But uh, it became it became very clear to me that God could use me, despite who I am. Uh, very early in the first group that I was a part of, uh, you know, we did this training, and then every week we'd 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 go meet, and we'd I'd just do what I was told to do in that meeting, and I followed the regimental protocol on that, and then. The next week, we would have a phone call with all of us, uh, and John would walk us through, and we'd share our our experiences and our questions and our struggles and to celebrate, you know, what God had done. And uh, within the first three or four weeks of that, the things that I was seeing happen in the guys in our group, mm. knowing full well that it wasn't happening because the leader, yeah. <laughs> that God was in it and God was moving and, uh, and, and stuff was happening very quickly with guys. They just needed an outlet, yeah. uh, needed somebody to listen, needed maybe some structure and some discipline around something that they knew they should do, but just needed a little nudge to get there uh, and how God would bless them through that. And apparently uh, you were the perfect guy for that. It worked. You, you, well, you provided the structure for God to speak to yeah. the to his sons. Yeah. And I think you know it wasn't as as important as what you had to say mm. to his sons as what he wanted to say to his sons, right? Absolutely. Despite 
um, my weaknesses. And, and oh, by the way, <laughs> it became very apparent that there was stuff that would come out of those discussions that didn't have anything to do with my preparation, uh, what was in the quote-unquote homework that particular uh, yeah. week. God just uses focus and intentionality with himself to do the work. And you had a front row seat to it. And I, it was awesome. You know, the men I disciple, have a group every Monday night in my mm-hmm. home, and the best evenings, you know, often afterwards, my wife, we don't talk about the details, but she'll say, how did it go? And I'll say, gosh, that was an amazing experience. And the reason is, is because I'm not that good. Yeah. It was God. Absolutely. I couldn't prepare enough or prime enough or question enough for the Holy Spirit to do what, what he did in our lives. I'm not that good. Well, I'll say it a different way, maybe, uh, you know, however many years later, hundreds of opportunities since that uh, since that first one. Um, <laughs> when things go according to my agenda, it's usually a disappointment. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, when God moves, it is truly awesome. And, and, and you know, even years and years later, um, the, the, the guys that you were with intentionally for a period of time and really lived life with and really had life experiences with that, you know, you don't see as often, you don't talk to as regularly. Mm-hmm. Years later, when you're talking to them, when you're seeing them, when you're, and somebody else says, hey, do you know this guy? To see that kind of that, 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 foundational um, impact that God had in that time is just such a blessing. It's truly a blessing. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's for disciple makers, the beauty of it is, is that we get a front row seat to what God is doing in the hearts of other people. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. Join us again next week as we continue our conversation on the 419 Disciple Makers podcast.